We're back again with Thinking About It. I'm here with intern Kevin Dean, who uh, we're going to chat with, and our producer, uh, Andrew. And we are um, just kind of in the Christmas season right now. And Kevin, uh, we had a, like a lot of churches, we had a dramatic Christmas production. You had a lot to do with. You wrote the script. You're a big script guy, drama guy. You've actually been a drama instructor in a ministry, and so we saw some of that in our Christmas production. But the question that often comes up is, is it okay to not preach? Um, right. Can, can the, what needs to be done be done without a propositional sermon, 25, even 30 minutes? Um, and what are the risks involved in that? So did you think about, did you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that there are certain things that need to happen in order for a church service to be a church service. I think we need to have um, an exposition of Scripture. We need to be glorifying to Christ. Um, we want to expose the gospel. There's all these things that a sermon is going to do very, very well. Um, just because a preacher stands up and preaches a sermon doesn't mean that he's going to check all of those boxes. And not every play is going to check all of those boxes either. But I think if you're very intentional about uh, what you perform and what's in the script, it is possible to um, kind of do a good exposition of of scripture to bring the gospel into everything to glorify God through what's done. So, so you wanted to have scripture as part of the play? Yeah, I do my best to include as much scripture as I can for a number of reasons. First of all, it means that I'm not misspeaking because sometimes what happens is whether it's a, a Christmas play or an Easter play or any other kind of play, um, the events get told through the lens of a fictional character. That's very common. But there's a danger of distorting what actually happened when you do that. When you when you just quote scripture, you know you're doing it right. That's the first reason I do it. The second reason is that I think it's a benefit to the actors. You are m- memorizing your lines, and as such, you're memorizing scripture. And so it's a chance to do a whole bunch of memorization that not only will help you on Sunday morning, but will help you in life. Um, to kind of just internalize Bible verses. Well, can you write a drama and and just use scripture? Absolutely, yeah. One of my favorite ones that we ever did was was John fourteen, um, because it's written it's written in the Bible as a as a dialogue. Then you know Peter turns and he says, "Show us the Father, and this will be enough for us." And Jesus says, "Do you not know? Mm-hmm. I am the you know what I mean? Like it okay. just is it just is back and forth." Now the uh, the drama that you put together on. Christmas time, it wasn't verbatim. I mean, it was biblical, but I didn't recognize no. a lot of those words. So you took some liberty. Correct. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's the same. I would say it's the same. The goal is to be the same as a sermon. A sermon is is going to come out of the text. It's going to point us back to the text, um, but it's certainly not verbatim of the text you add to it. So I think if someone goes back and reads the first six chapters of Isaiah, they'll see themes and concepts and dialogue pieces, and they'll know where it fits. And ideally, if you're preaching from Isaiah 6, it would be the same the same result. Someone can go back and reread it and see where everything came from. So what was the point of, of starting with Isaiah? Well, I think it gives a more holistic picture of uh, the gospel. Um, it gives a, a, a view that maybe people aren't familiar with. or he, are, No, you don't normally hear that. No, and I hate cliches, so I, I, think that's, I think it's just kind of fun in that sense to give, you know, kind of the, the, the even the people who kind of think they know it all, they've, they've been to Christmas productions and plays every year for 30 years, so they, 
they kind of know the story. They know what to expect to give them something that they weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of fun. Um, but it also is just, it's a really gospel rich, exciting book with all, all kinds of, uh, wonderful gospel truths. And this wonderful truth that before the foundation of the earth was laid, God knew that he was going to come as a man and die on a cross. And so to have a prophet, you know, 700 years before Jesus talking about these things just reveals God's goodness. Yeah, it was, it was theological. Yeah. You, you put the pieces together so that by the time uh, we got to the uh, nativity narrative, we were kind of, okay, this makes sense. It's just according to the scriptures, Christ was born. Yeah. So that was kind of the hope in the way that we did it. I know not maybe not all of our listeners saw mm-hmm. our play, but um, we had five different drama pieces. And the goal was each one kind of works towards a singular point. So Isaiah is just talking about this, this baby brings hope. God foretold a baby that brings hope. And then we're going to bring on our next guy, which is Joseph. And he just works towards talking about the fact that Jesus forgives sins. This baby that's coming is going to forgive sins. And then we go into the shepherds who talk about the fact that God loves us. He cares about each one of us, even the lowest and the, the least of us. So the point is that by the time we hit all five dramas, mm-hmm. by the time we end, end the play and we start to hear the testimonies from people at Grandview, we have sort of a a bit of a five different stabs, five different angles of viewing um, the gospel through the birth of Jesus. And this was all in the context of music, like a cantata. So you had these vignettes. I don't know what you'd call them. Yeah, sure. Skits or acts. And it would, then there'd be music filling in yeah. some of the pieces. Yeah. And then at the end, just for those who weren't there uh, here at Grandview, we had a number of real live people, not in character, just speaking very personally about um, their experience with Jesus and how in church um, there's a sense of a blessing that they have. So that was a, a really good touch. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit of a timeline walk. Like we started 700 years before Jesus and we see a prophet who whose life was changed by the coming Messiah. And then we, we walk through obviously the birth of Jesus and then end 2000 years after Jesus, right in this modern day, this is still the baby that is changing lives. It is, um, giving hope that's forgiving sins. Uh, so it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a bit of, the idea was it's a bit of a timeline walk. You see the before, the, the birth of Jesus, and then the now. So all this extra effort goes in, and it was, it was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. My family enjoyed it. My kids enjoyed it. They could, be a, they could enjoy it more Good. than they could. Bob Sermon, no offense to Bob. I get it. My kids are young. My kids are young. So, so you have this extra activity effort. It's a extra services even. I think we had over double the amount of people over the course of that weekend compared to an average Sunday at Grandview, which is great. But isn't there this risk of people coming only once a year? Are people only coming to Christmas and Easter? And we're kind of like setting it up. We do this big social media push, come to Grandview. And it's us doing it. We're not, you know, paid. Well, I guess you're paid to do this yeah, yeah. a little bit as an intern, but like you're not, we're not hiring a whole bunch of actors. And yet we are kind of setting up this production. I think it's definitely a risk. I think I think that you can you can make that a problem, and I think there are churches that you know that run that risk maybe more than others. Um, yeah, sometimes people come just for Christmas and Easter. I think that's a reality that uh, you just have to deal with. Like as a rule, churches for the edification of the believers. We're not we don't run every Sunday morning service as an outreach event. We might acknowledge or recognize or understand that there are unbelievers in our midst. And on Christmas and Easter, I think that that's true just to a higher extent, that the the church service is still for the edification of believers, but like it or lump it, whether we think it's a good thing or a bad thing, 
there's a whole bunch of unbelievers who wander into our building on Christmas Eve and on Easter Sunday. That's just true. And so why why not? Yeah. Uh, why not preach the gospel plainly? Mm-hmm. Why not preach it in a way that is uh, super accessible, yeah. that can be understood by somebody who's never set foot in a church before, that removes the theological language? Why wouldn't you? I think our people, and I'm not surprised, are to be commended because they gave it away. Like, this, this is our service. We like the sermon. We like this, this, this. But we asked them to say, can you just let us do this? And it won't be church as usual for you. The times are different. The The whole experience is different. But for the sake of um, the lost and bringing in people who might nor- not normally come, I think they were okay with that. Uh, Kev, you, um, what about the humor? You had um, the kids, particularly one of the kids as an old man, couldn't hear so well. He was always getting <laughs> things mixed up. Um, got a lot of laughs. Uh, make make sense of that yeah yeah i got pushed back right from from the moment it was written oh yeah um no i would i don't know if pushback is the right word but it's definitely questioned i i think that again it to me it's the same as when i when i preach um if if your goal is humor like if the end game is to be funny to get the applause to get whatever there's a problem Mm -hmm. but i think that things can be memorable um and comedic at the same time i think that uh, if you give two people too much theology, all thick and all at once, it, it's just too much to process, and you need to kind of open the window and let in some air. And so, to have kind of some comic relief or some levity in the middle, um, I mean, you've whatever your the saddest movie you can think of probably has some comic relief right in the middle because yep. we we recognize. Mm-hmm. I think I think any writer can tell you that too much. Um, if you lay it on too thick, it's hard to handle. So you want some, you want some kind of air in the middle of it. Yeah, I, I thought it was really appropriate. Um, people who don't hear well, I don't think they were offended. They they get the humor. The guy was not hearing the uh, what the kids were saying. Uh, I thought it was really good. Uh, so, Kev, what what also about the um, the length of the production? We how long was it? Well, it was 90 minutes with all the songs and everything. Each of our five skits was about five to seven minutes. So quite, quite brief as, as skits go. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I would say I, I like to push back against really long Christmas dramas. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is that you have kind of, you know, two chapters in Luke. You got one chapter in Matthew. Like you, it's not a lot of source material. And I think the danger, and I remember this in the productions I was in as a kid, the danger is, you end up with this super elaborate story that doesn't exist. Here's here's the journey of the wise men, and here's their backstory and where they came from and who they're married to. Mm-hmm. And you get a 45-minute mm-hmm. drama of a bunch of stuff that's not in the Bible. Yeah, and none of us are professional. And to sustain a narrative with interest at that for that length of time, it's, it's a lot to ask. Yeah, and then you get someone who's never been into the church before, and this is their introduction to Christianity, and now they're judging... Um, the believability of scripture based on something that you completely made up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, your play might not be believable, and that that has nothing to do with scripture. You made up your own story about the background of the wise men. The greatest miracle of all time has taken place in the the incarnation of God as a man, and that is the celebration. That is the focus. And if you if you leave a Christmas drama with you know a great tale about the background of the shepherds, but you miss this central focus of 
the the life changing reality of God as a man, we've missed something. Okay, so we're we're good once a year at Christmas time. I was just talking with one of the kids just now who was in the drama. She wants to do it again. Yeah, I mean, can we consider more drama within the like it used to be during the Willow Creek days that it was a, a weekly feature, right? A little um, skit. Maybe doesn't need to be that way now, but do you think it's time to reintroduce, you know, a five-minute sketch in a regular worship service? Well, I think it can't replace it can't replace anything that we do have. It's not mm-hmm. it can't replace a sermon if you're if you're chopping five minutes out of the sermon to introduce a skit. I, mm-hmm. I just would question that. Um, but for sure, like I think that God has given us the arts. God mm-hmm. values the mm-hmm. arts, and music gets its due in the yeah. church. But visual arts and drama maybe don't. And we see, like you think of the building of the tabernacle. God mm-hmm. says, "Find Bezalel. That guy is gifted in the arts. Get him up here. Use him. Let mm-hmm. him use his talents to their maximum." I love that. That's kind of how God speaks about the the design and the building of the tabernacle. Visual arts. Honoring and glorifying to God, and I'm all I'm all for that. Um, but I but I wouldn't remove any element of the service that we currently have. Maybe add to its length or something. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it all comes back to like, what are you are are you um, telling? Are you exposing biblical truths? Are you centering around the gospel? Because um, I think we've all seen skits that are cheesy cheesy yeah and uh are not based on any verse at all mm-hmm. it's just kind of your what your, was that all about yeah yeah i even found listening to the background of isaiah interesting from just what's gone on this year in israel yeah and palestine good timing and so all of a sudden you're hearing isaiah talk about the context that he's in related to war related to his worries related to people not listening to him as he points and then like and it's like well mm-hmm. this is this is not so ancient of a story. Right. Um, and I think that's something that drama does. Like there's a way in which I'm going to remember the emotions of Isaiah through drama in a way that preaching about Isaiah, I might not have understood those emotions. Yeah. And I think that that too comes to the fact that scripture is just applicable and always applicable. Cause if you try to write a drama that answers the questions going on in the Middle East, it's cheesy. It's, probably terrible and it probably doesn't give any satisfying mm-hmm. answer but just to say here's what the bible says isaiah is a timeless it's timeless it's god inspired okay kev we're just about out of time and andrew i want to thank you kevin you wrote about 700 skits over your brief career and uh, we're glad that we got to see some of that so mm-hmm. thank you and until next time i'm here with andrew noble <laughs> kevin dean we'll see you next time on thinking about it mm-hmm.